Thank you for joining us for the eighth episode of Burning Questions, a podcast focused on reducing risk in your communities and answering some of your questions along the way. In this episode, we'll focus on one safety topic that we get a lot of questions about. We'll do our best to answer some of those questions, and we'll try and clear up any misconceptions about those topics while we're at it. If you have any questions you'd like for us to answer, leave a voicemail for us at 864-430-0510 or email us at bsfdpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll try and give you an answer in a later episode. I'm your host, Captain Chris Kermesho, and today we have an important topic to discuss, preventing cooking-related fires. We'll talk about the common causes, different ways to prevent those cooking-related fires, and what to do in case of an emergency. Our guest today is firefighter Kerry Hudson. He's been with us for a few years now, and he's going to help us understand some different tips when it comes to cooking-related safety. Welcome, Kerry. How are you? Thank you, Chris. I'm happy to be here and talk about such an important topic. All right, so let's dive right in. So according to the National Fire Protection Association, or NFPA, cooking was the leading cause of reported home fires and home fire injuries from 2015 to 2019 and the second leading cause of home fire deaths. Cooking caused 49% of reported home fires, 20% of reported home fire deaths, and 42% of home fire injuries. Carrie, obviously this is a serious issue. Can you tell us what are some common causes of those cooking-related fires? Well, as you know, I've ran my fair share of cooking-related fires just within our own fire district. But the most common causes of cooking-related fires are unattended cooking, overheated, and grease fires. They can happen when you leave food on the stove or in the oven for too long, for example. When the oil in the pan gets too hot or the grease builds up at the bottom of the stove, when it builds up, that's when you're more at risk and inclined to starting a grease fire. So it's important to stay alert on the cleanliness of the equipment that you're using and watching out for that buildup. That's a really good point. And as far as some of the common causes, uh, I would say that probably one of them is going to be unattended cooking, correct? Most certainly. People that end up leaving like chicken frying on the stove for too long while they go walk off to watch a Super Bowl game, you know, and that's how grease fires start. Gets too hot, cooks for too long, a second of flame hits. It's off for the races. And something I'll add to that is we do run a lot of cooking-related fires, and some people don't realize that some stoves are safer than other stoves. So if I have a fuel-fired appliance or a gas range, uh, am I more likely to experience that grease fire than if I have, let's say, a a glass-top range? Depending on the appliance that you're using depends on the actual level of risk such as if you've got a flat top stove, the grease is going to be a lot more shallower. There's no places for it to get embedded in to start a fire or anything like that. But also when you're looking at your stoves and when fat and all drips off of like turkeys in the stove that you're cooking, it builds up on the bottom. A lot of people might see a fire start in their stove and open it up. And that's the worst thing you can do because then you're just feeding that fire oxygen when you could just leave it closed and it might suffocate itself and save the house in the process. So, Carrie, can you give us any specific examples of cooking-related fires that you've seen or what those impacts may be to the family after they experience such a fire? So, what I've seen happen more often than not when it comes to cooking-related fires is nine times out of ten, from what I've seen, it is a grease fire. And the thing is about grease fires is they get really hot really quick and they grow exponentially. The amount of heat that it's able to release allows the fire to spread a lot quicker than most. 
and the impact that losing your kitchen, if we're able to save the whole house, just not having your kitchen there will make a big impact in somebody's life. It's the most used room in the house. It's the part where, as firefighters, we bond over eating together. So I can only imagine that most families bond while they're eating dinner together with friends and family and relatives and whatnot. Yeah, that's a really good point. And what a lot of people don't realize is that when grease or cooking materials burn, they release a lot of thick black smoke with a lot of soot. And that soot and smoke does not stay just in the kitchen. Uh, a lot of times we'll find it on the floor above or all the way on the ceiling on the other side of the house. Uh, and it can really lead to an uncomfortable time in your home while you're trying to get all that cleaned up so you can go back to go back to your lives. Oh yeah, and let me tell you something. That soot does not sit on tile very well. Last time I walked into a house that had soot all over the tile, I slipped. It was like walking on glass. Not just that, but it means that it's gonna track wherever you step, that soot is gonna track on your foot all the way through the house as well. And then what everybody should understand about soot and smoke is that the reason it's black is because there's also unburned fuels in there. So when that smoke gets hot enough, you can have a flashover or a smoke explosion or something along those lines. Not just that, but even the health impacts later on is that soot is just full of grease-laden vapors, but it's also full of carcinogens. So cleaning all of that up afterward can be a real pain it can be an issue, a safety issue during the fire. It can be a safety issue immediately after. But then after the emergency is over, after we've already cleared all the air in the house, you still have all these little particles of soot and smoke that are really difficult to get out of carpets, get off of walls, get out of clothing, especially furniture, anything upholstered. And so every time you sit down, you're exposing yourself or you're exposing your family to those carcinogens. That's absolutely right, Chris. You had it right on the money, man. So, Carrie, what are some other causes or other things that you've seen while out in the field when it comes to cooking-related fires or fires in the home? Using the right cookware for the appropriate application. And what I mean by that is don't try and deep-fry a turkey on your stove. It doesn't work out very well. Don't leave plastic uh, utensils in the pan as you're cooking with it because ultimately it's plastic, so it's going to melt. So keeping plastics and latex utensils and plastic pots away from heat sources would be a great thing you can do to prevent certain issues from arising. And that's focusing a lot on the, on the range and the oven, but taking these plastic utensils, plastic cookware, anything like that, containers, and leaving them in the microwave for too long can lead to issues as well, correct? Oh yeah, most definitely. Knowing whether or not you have microwavable safe dishware that's something everybody should learn. So, Carrie, we've talked a lot about cooking with a range, cooking in an oven. Uh, we mentioned cooking with a microwave. Uh, what about countertop deep fryers? What are some safety tips when it comes to those? Some safety tips I have when it comes to using countertop deep fryers or just deep fryers in general is... Um, don't deep fry anything frozen. Don't drop any water or other liquids in it while you're using it. Because one, water can't put out a grease fire. And two, it just becomes violent and reactive. That's why when you're dropping food in a deep fryer, everything starts bubbling. And then um, if you're deep frying a turkey, 
do it outside away from the home not in the garage not on a deck that's really good advice and what we'll say with that is you always want to measure the level of the oil with the turkey you always want to mark that level with water before you heat up the oil and start frying the turkey because what happens a lot of times is people will fill that pot to the brim they fill it up with oil they get the oil up to temperature and then when they drop in the bird all that oil gets displaced it falls out the top of the pan or the pot goes right down onto the burner you have a huge flash fire with that heated oil as it comes in contact with the flame yeah and if anybody ever wants to see what that looks like it is on our facebook page so that covers most of the causes and some of the dangers of these cooking related fires but can you give us some tips for how we might prevent these cooking related fires from starting in the first place yeah yeah i can give you a few tips number one the most important to me is definitely going to be don't ever put water on a grease fire that's only going to make it worse it's going to be more reactive they don't mix water's not going to put it out either take the pan away or put a lid on it second of all it's going to be important to always stay in the kitchen when you're cooking and not leaving it unattended most of the time that's how grease fires do end up starting People just leave the food in the pan while it's cooking and they just walk away to go watch a football game or they get distracted by their kids or something like that. And then third of all, you know, you got flammable objects. Like, yeah, you can use your oven mitt to pull the pan out and it's great for touching the pan. But if you have a gas stove, open flame, that's an easy fire starter. And not everybody thinks about it that way. It's one of those things where if you're cooking on the stove and let's say one of those burners is still hot, especially this is a danger with people who have flat top glass cooktops it's really easy for you to take something and put it down there and treat the top of that stove just like you would treat a counter it's really easy to take your oven mitt off when you get something out of the oven and lay it down on the range it's easy for you to walk in you don't realize one of the burners is on you lay down your mail whatever it is it's something that people should really keep in mind it's an unconscious action these little things can lead to to big problems. Something I want to add just while we're talking about the prevention side of cooking-related fires is making sure that you have a fire extinguisher or a stovetop suppression system in place. That way, if you do happen to have a grease fire, something lights off while you're cooking, uh, you have an extinguisher handy and you know how to use it, or you can buy one of these fire stops or stovetop suppression systems, and they'll put the fire out for you All you have to do is go over and turn the stove off. And then you can always use baking soda. That's a good point. Baking soda, as long as you can cover it or smother it with baking soda. We always have to tell people baking soda is the way to go. You can use salt if you have enough of it. But you can't use flour because flour burns pretty, pretty freely. Yeah. And then the last thing is just making sure that you have a working smoke alarm in your home doesn't need to be in the kitchen but you should have one on the same floor as the kitchen use that as the as the last resort if you do hear it go off while you're cooking you know that something's gone wrong and you need to get people out of the house and then investigate or call 911 that's great advice and speaking of smoke alarms is there some way that uh, the listeners can know that their smoke alarm is going to work when they need it to or that it's working properly There are steps that you as a viewer or the public can take to verifying that it will work, or at least giving the best odds to. 
You can test your smoke detector once a month, change the batteries once a year, make sure it's newer than 10 years. And if you don't want to do all that or you don't know how to do any of that, you can always call us out because we offer this as a service. And all of these things are, are really important uh, safety tips and things to know when it comes to cooking in your home. But what about a fire safety plan? Should our listeners have a fire safety plan in place? Absolutely. I think it's important to have a plan in place in case there is an emergency. Making sure everybody in the household knows what to do in case of a fire and where to meet outside is important because you might be exiting out of the back of a building and your kids might be leaving out the front. If they're going out the front door, do they know where you want to meet them at so you know that they're outside? Well, and that gets us right into We've talked about this on the podcast before, uh, these fire safety plans. It's all about peace of mind. If I were to exit out the front and my kids exit out the back and we don't have an agreed-on meeting place, as a parent, my first thought is they're inside. I'm worried that they're still in the house. I don't know that they've gotten out. Uh, So I'm going to put myself in danger and go in and look for them when there's no need. If we had had a meeting place ahead of time, if we had had an agreed on plan, then it's a real easy thing. We always meet at the tree in the front yard. We always meet at the mailbox. If you're in an apartment, you meet down in the parking lot or in the entryway or or wherever it is. Uh, That way, everybody knows where everybody is. Everyone's accounted for. And it really takes the stress of such a big, dangerous incident and lowers it down So at least you know, even if your house is on fire, you at least know that everyone that's in the house is safe. But can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because it's not, a fire safety plan is not always about uh, just escaping the home, correct? Correct. It's about finding the people that are also stuck in the home. We don't know the layout of your house. That's something you're going to know off the top of your head and we're going to figure out as we go. And if somebody ends up stuck in the house and all, there's certain things that you can do as a parent to to help us figure out where your kids might be in a home. So you can have at the base of their door or something like that, something that identifies that it's a kid's room. That'll be the first place we'll look and see. And then making sure that they know to shut the door behind them if there is a fire and if they can't escape to isolate themselves from it. Because I've seen plenty of houses that go up and some rooms just aren't touched and it buys so much time. Are there any other things that a homeowner or a, or a tenant could do to help the fire department when we arrive? Yeah, they can definitely tell the oncoming engine or unit. If you go up the stairs to the left, that's my kid's room. They're not outside yet. You can tell them details about your home about places we should look first, and that's what we're gonna make a priority, if not everybody's gotten out of the house. If everybody's gotten out of the house, we're just gonna go to work. And all these things are really important for that fire safety plan and things to keep in mind when it comes to a home fire or a a fire in the home, especially something as common as a cooking-related fire. What are some things that people should do the second they realize that they have a cooking-related fire on their hands? Something's happened in the kitchen, they realize something's wrong, Can you take our listeners through, step-by-step, what they should do next? If they notice that there is a fire in the kitchen, if they have a safety measure device near them to contain it, put it out, they should do that. But they need to put their safety first. 
And if that's not the first thing that comes to their head, they just need to get out. We use a saying when we're doing fire extinguisher training with uh, different industries, and the saying is, when in doubt, just get out. Uh, and that, I think, falls into the same category as this, where you may have a lid next to the pan that's burning, you may know that there's an oven fire, but in that moment of panic, when you realize something's wrong and you realize there's a fire, there is absolutely no shame at all in grabbing your kids, grabbing your loved ones, and just getting out of the house. Because calling 911 and getting us there, we're going to control that problem as quickly as possible. And if you don't feel comfortable or if you think it's an unsafe act to reach over that stove to turn the stove off or to close that oven door, there's no shame at all in just getting out of the house, calling 911, and letting us come and put that fire out for you. And that basically covers uh, all the things we were going to talk about when it comes to what people should do in case of a cooking-related fire. Is there anything else you'd like to add while we're on the topic? I just want everybody to remember that practicing fire safety is key. Watching and being vigilant while you're cooking, keeping flammable objects away from the stove, and having a plan of emergency is everything I think they should have. And then if they've got the opportunity and capabilities to, they should, without a doubt, invest in some home safety technology. So in each episode, we always ask our listeners to do one thing to make them safer than they were yesterday. Uh, what is one thing that our listeners can do to stay safe when it comes to cooking-related fires? Have a safety plan and commit to it. We're not expecting them to sit there and be firefighters and do the job for us. If they have the opportunity, they should do it. But having a safety plan and practicing it, put their own safety first, is going to be what ensures that everyone knows what to do when a situation like that arises. Because it's not something that they have to deal with on a regular. Otherwise, it wouldn't be an emergency. So I wanted to take this time to say a big thank you to our guest, firefighter Kerry Hudson, for joining us today and sharing his expertise on how to prevent cooking-related fires. Thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure being here. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Remember, stay vigilant, keep your home safe, have a fire safety plan. I'm Captain Chris Kamesho. Stay safe out there. Hashtag have a fire safe day. <laughs>